enjoy everything. Everybody say everything. everything. That means enjoy your spouse, not put up with them. Enjoy them. It means enjoy your kids when they're in diapers and enjoy your kids when they're teenagers. It means enjoy your job when you're making $80 an hour and enjoy your job when you're making $8 an hour. And it comes from John 10, 10, uh, which is a scripture. This is Jesus talking. So I want us to read it good and strong. It's going to be out of the Amplified Bible up here. John 10, 10. This is our memory verse for this series. Okay, ready? Read. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. So here's my question. Are you enjoying every area that God has called you to be a part of in your life in abundance to the full till it overflows? Do you enjoy coming to church in abundance to the full till it overflows? Do you enjoy tithing in abundance to the full till it overflows? Do you enjoy your area of ministry do you enjoy going to work with those people that are a bunch of heathens who you don't like? Do you enjoy everything God's called you to do? Uh, today in part one, I want to talk to you about this. Enjoy each day. Enjoy each day. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel. Uh, let's see. We're going to turn to 2 Samuel 16. And I also want you to turn, if you're a professional Bible turner, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 28. So you can, you can, we'll start in Acts 28 in a little bit, and then you can put your, your, your stringy dilly thing is what the actual Greek is, it's actually called a stringos dilos, and it's that thing in your Bible that you move, I'm just kidding, that's a total lie and fabrication, but anyway, you put it, you, so you turn to Acts 28, and then you turn, you have something in there for it, 2 Samuel 16, 2 Samuel 16 comes right after 2 Samuel 15, so if you're looking for it in your Bible, that's how you can find it, so enjoy each day. Um, every day that we choose to live stressed out or anxious or worried about what people think of us or offended or uptight is a day that we have literally handed Satan on a silver platter. The problem with allowing something to ruin hours of your day is that you will never, ever, ever, ever get that day back again. You'll never be able to go back in time and relive it. If you're, if, you're, if you're hanging out with your family and then somebody sends you a text that upsets you and now here you, have, you might be there, you might be present, but you're not present. That little text, that little problem can ruin hours of your day. You'll never get back again. That little annoyance at work, that little issue. And I, I, was, fine, I was thinking about it in my life. It seems like it's always the little things that cause us to, to, to steal our joy each day. It says in Psalms 118.24, Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and celebrate today. Everybody say today. today. How come it doesn't say, let us rejoice and celebrate for the whole week? How come it doesn't say, listen, God has created this year for us. Let's celebrate all year long. Why does it say today? The reason is, is because you are not promised tomorrow. I bet if you could talk to Luke Perry, any 90210 fans? Yeah, see, I said Pointer Sisters, and everybody's like, oh! And I say 90210, and, and y'all, I don't know what that is, okay? That's showing your age, but I bet if you asked Luke Perry a week ago, hey man, how long do you think you're going to live? 
I bet he'd say, oh man, I'm going to live till I'm 90 years old. Just like that, gone. Over 100,000 people yesterday did not get to experience what you've already experienced today. And that is, they got to open up their eyes, their heart kept beating, and now they're here in church. Y'all are here in church. Uh, we, we are not promised tomorrow. And so I was thinking when I was studying about the sermon, I was thinking that in my life, the things that have stolen my joy each day are usually really small things. Um, I'm curious, how many of you in here, um, you never, ever, ever, ever get in a disagreement with your better half? You, you never fight with anybody? You, you always have peace? You just have a very peaceful life? Once a year, you might have a little disagreement. How many of you are like that? Okay. Oh, Wesley. Okay. So for those of you that are not on serious drugs, um, <laughs> just kidding. For those of you that are not on Prozac, listen to what I'm about to say, okay? <laughs> How many of you, when you do face daily stress, when you do get in an argument, when there is a disagreement in a relationship, how many of you, is it because of something huge, like your house blew away in a hurricane, like the doctors told you you had a few months to live, something like that? How many, is, is that the reason you get upset each day? No. Those catastrophes, those are like once in a lifetime. I heard somebody say that hurricanes get more news coverage, but in reality, termites do more damage. It's the little things, the small things. It's the thing like, like you lose your car keys, you just can't find them. And, and you're, it's like hours of your day, you were, you were worshiping God when you woke up and you read a proverb, and then you're getting ready for work and you can't find your keys, and it's like all that's down the drain. Now you're ready to kill somebody. You're blaming everybody in the house for your keys, and then you find them in your pocket just a few minutes later. <laughs> that's, it's the little thing. It's getting behind a, a driver that's going 40 miles an hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. You had his radio playing, and you were like, shout to the Lord, and you're just worshiping God, and then you're behind it. Just like that, you get behind a slow driver. Man, Jesus flew out the window, and you're so close to sticking up your middle finger, but you got a solid rock sticker on the back of your car. Or you're driving a bright orange car with an O1 on it, and you want to so bad honk the horn, but you just can't do it. There was a book that came out years ago called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And the rest of the title, do you know what the rest of the title is? It's all small stuff. It's all small stuff. It's your, it's your wife turning off the piano when you've asked her 10 times not to do it. it it's, it's the small things. It's the little things in life that seem to ruin our days. You know, I remember years ago, a couple called me up from church, and they were in their 40s, and um, they got in a huge fight. And the fight was so bad, they were using the word divorce in the fight. They called me up. They said, we need to meet you at church right now. We need help. And so I came to church and met them. And I discovered the root of that fight was that one of them squeezed the toothpaste the wrong way. And three hours into it, they used the word divorce. You know, you got squeezers and you got rollers, you know, right? You know, how many of y'all are squeezers with the toothpaste? How many of y'all are rollers? <laughs> y'all are so funny. And that's what upset them. I remember another time this young couple, um, they, were, they made good money. They didn't have any kids. And, and together they made about 1000 a week. So they were okay financially. And they went through this financial counseling course. And they prayed and they had a budget and everything was set on how they were going to spend their finances. They were going to pay off their house and do these great things. And they agreed on it and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and they weren't poor by any means. They just, they just had a strict plan. Well, they went out to eat to a small Greek restaurant 
one evening, and after they were done, the wife wanted a baklava. Everybody know what a baklava is? The triangle, honey, little, it's $2. The husband said, oh, you can't get the baklava. We have a plan. We have a budget, and that doesn't meet our budget. She said, it's $2. It's a $2 baklava. He said, I don't care. You can't do it. They called me up on the phone. They said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. It was on speakerphone. And, and, and they had this, they let, I mean, the husband had a good argument. The husband was saying, uh, we planned and we budgeted and we, we got our finances together and we, had worked, and we just don't have room for a baklava. And the wife worked 40 hours a week and the husband worked for it. And the wife got on the phone and here was her argument. I want a baklava. That was her argument. And the husband said, they said, Pastor, what do we do? How do we handle this situation? I said, you idiots, buy the freaking baklava for Buy her 10 baklavas. A baklava is not, it would have been easier to tell the story if it was a donut. A baklava should not ruin a day that God has given you. You're supposed to enjoy your spouse, not control them. You're supposed to enjoy the money that God has blessed you with. You're supposed to enjoy the life. You know, what I find we do is, let's see, I got this. I actually sent Micah to, the, to, the, to Walmart last night at like midnight. And I said, go get me a magnifying glass. It's because it seems like in our life, we love to carry this around when we're looking at other people. Do you know whenever you get close? And you know, it's funny. You can't, it doesn't really work until you get close to someone. It's like those people who are closest to us we use the magnifying glass and we don't magnify the good things they do. We magnify the little annoyances in life. Do you know that, you know that scripture about you see the speck in your brother's eye and you don't see the log in your own eye? You can't really see a speck until you get close and begin to use a magnifying glass to really see what's going on. It says in Song of Solomon 2.15, the little foxes is what spoil the vines. It's the little foxes. It's the little things. And we're here carrying this around. But you know what some of y'all do? Y'all don't use this. Some of y'all, I, I ordered this. It came in the mail last night. I didn't see it at my house till 1030 at night. I was like, man, it came in just in time. Some of y'all, this is your magnifying glass right here. <laughs> and you know what you do? You wait till your husband comes home from work. And as soon as he steps in the door... That's when you think you need to use this. Listen, some of y'all, your whole life would be better if you would just shut your mouth, especially with the little things. How many of y'all believe that God can heal cancer? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that God can take a malformation out of a three-month-old child and it just disappear? How many of y'all believe that God can part a Red Sea, close the mouth of lions, and, 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 and take care of all your big enemies in life? Okay. But yet, you don't believe God can take care of the little foxes that come your way each day. So much so, you think you got to get out your magnifying glass and deal with it yourself. You have to take care of that little thing that your child does. Some things aren't even worth talking about. Nowhere in the Bible does it say magnify your problems. It actually says to magnify the Lord. Because you know, whenever you magnify something, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And something that was so minute... Something you should not have even talked about. You should not have even opened up your mouth. And now, here it is, three hours later, and you probably added five different things to the list. It started off, you know, I wish you would roll the toothpaste instead of squeeze it. 
And three hours later, you always do this every single day and I can't stand it. And then when I come home from work and then in the morning you do this and that. On, just buy your own toothpaste. <laughs> just give them their own toothpaste. Use your own toothpaste. But don't, these things can ruin your life. Ephesians 4.26 says, don't go to bed angry. You know why it says that? I believe it's because you may wake up and not be on earth. And how sad would it be for you to miss out on eternal rewards because it's something so small, so small. You got If you can use your faith to believe God can heal cancer, why not use your faith to believe God can take care of that little thing if you don't say anything? Now, and when I tell you some little things you shouldn't even bring up, it shouldn't even, it's not even worth, it's not even worth dealing with it sometimes because you can't change people anyway. When I say don't talk about it, that means don't even have an attitude about it. Some of y'all, you'll go home today and be like, I heard the sermon and so I'm not going to tell you what's bothering me. Oh my goodness. You know what's even more immature is whenever you have an attitude so much so that your spouse has to ask you, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong, honey? Oh, nothing's wrong. No, no, John Paul said, don't talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. (laughs) How we handle the little things each day determine what kind of life we actually live. Why is that? Here's why. If you can't enjoy today, then you're not going to enjoy tomorrow. And if you can't enjoy tomorrow, if you continue to live on earth Today, tomorrow, it'll equal a week. And if you continue to live on earth, it'll equal a month. And if you continue to live on earth, it'll equal a year. Until you get to the point where your destiny was all about each day you letting the little foxes spoil the vines in your life. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into year, year turns into our destiny. And every day that you allow this to happen, it's like you're saying, Satan, just take this time for me. Man, that's the most valuable commodity you have. You can make more money. You can't make more time. If you choose to let... And if I, if I can be very, very transparent with you, it, it, you think, you say, well, this doesn't seem like a very important sermon. I wish somebody had told me this 12 years ago. If you line up my five children and you ask them, uh, what was your dad's biggest flesh pattern in his life? What was, the, what was his biggest problem? Here's what they'd all say. He let little things become huge he let a little disapproval from somebody steal his attention away from his kids for hours he let a little a little thing a little thing like your your kid leaves their plate on the table after they eat a little text a little email a little problem a, a person who's not even in his life anymore he let that person steal his night He let things that were so small in the house become huge fights. Man, how many... Learn from my mistakes. I mean, I I can't even tell you how many hours and days I lost with some of my older children when they were younger because of stuff like this. Because of stuff like this. You know, um, my wife Micah, she is an incredible, incredible wife. She had a birthday this week. She turned 25 years old. And and you only see her... She really did turn 25, too. (laughs) That's not a joke, but... (laughs) Somebody laughing. She really is really But you, you only see her superficially up here. You kind of see what she does. Her. But behind the scenes, she's an incredible woman, incredible wife. I mean, best wife for me in the world. Okay, having said that, 
She does about a thousand things that annoy the mess out of me. I mean, annoy me to no end. But just because she does it doesn't mean I need to bring it up and talk about it. Um, like one thing, um, <laughs> listen, if you, go to, if you go to a restaurant, like a fast food restaurant, you should already know what you want to order before you get there. That restaurant was there before you were born. You should already know. We go to Chick-fil-A, and I just, I'm, I'm, I, want, I wish I could somehow, was it not telepath? I want to like get in her mind and say, honey, it's chicken. It's Chick-fil-A. Your whole existence on earth, there's only two things you've ever ordered from this place. Chicken sandwich or chicken nuggets. There's no hot dogs. There's no hamburgers. There's no barbecue. You should know what you want. And so she goes up to the line and she says, I want a hmm. And I'm thinking, hmm, you should have hmmed on the way inside the door. We're standing in line. Now it's your turn. Now you want to think. And so she says, you know, I want a number so-and-so. And then they'll say, what would you like to drink? And then she'll say, I want a milkshake. And then they'll say, what flavor? And then she'll say chocolate. And they'll say anything else. And she'll say Polynesian sauce. And they'll say anything else. And she'll say no. And that drives me absolutely insane. Why can't you just walk up to the thing and say, I want a number one with a chocolate milkshake, Polynesian, and nothing else? You know how much time that saves? I know what y'all are thinking. I know what y'all are thinking. You're thinking how difficult it is for me to live with her. It is very difficult. It is, y'all need to pray for me to live with somebody like that. I'm not going to look up there at all. Y'all ain't thinking about her. Y'all are like, poor pastor. My pastor needs prayer. He has to deal with stuff like that. I actually wish all of y'all would do that. Whenever you go, you know, whenever I'm in a drive-thru, I always roll my window down to listen to the person in front of me to hear what yo-yos they are. Order everything, the drink, the size, everything in one breath and be done with it. <laughs> Where's my magnifying glass? Let's see, what can I say about Linda? <laughs> I just told her. And let me just say something to the rest of y'all too. There's no left lane and right lane. It's a fast lane and a slow lane, okay? If you're in the left lane, it means you're supposed to... Okay, Lord, help me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Jesus, just pray for me right now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so Acts chapter 28. You can get your Bibles. Acts chapter 28. Listen, the older I get, the more I learn. <laughs> and I'm still learning how valuable life is. Man, and I've come a long way. I mean a long way. If you knew me 10 years ago, you would not even be around me for five minutes. And I hate, I did that to my children. I, I did that to my family. Something so insignificant became huge all because of me. And in Acts chapter 28, if you got your Bibles, verses three through six, Paul is shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Everybody say Malta. You'll probably never need to know that again the rest of your life. But anyway, he was shipwrecked on Malta. And Acts 28, verse 3 to 6 says, As Paul gathered sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake bit him on the hand. But Paul shook the snake off and suffered no harm. The islanders waited for him to suddenly drop dead. But when they saw he wasn't harmed, they decided he was a god. Two things I want you to see from this. Number one is this. The islanders... I believe they represent immature believers or non-believers or your children. And they based a belief 
on how they saw this man or woman of God handle a small annoyance. Let me say it like this. Your children can feel when there's tension in your home. You don't even have to say anything. They can feel the presence of strife. All because mom or dad could not let something go. All because they thought they had to deal with this issue that if they said nothing about two weeks later, it would go away. And they formed an opinion, a thought, a, 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 a belief, all based on how Paul handled that little annoyance. People are watching you. They're seeing how you handle these little foxes that try to steal the vine. The other thing I want you to see from this is Paul gives us the answer. It's not a deep answer. It's not a spiritually profound answer. It's a Taylor Swift answer. He tells us how to handle the little snakes in life. He says we should do what? Shake it off, man. Shake. You can shake it off. You can shake it off. Whatever you want to shake it off. You just shake it off. Some of y'all should have that written on the, on, the, on the threshold of your door. When you walk in your house, you should see shake it off. Before you get in the house, shake it off. Whatever happened at work, shake it off. Whatever offense occurred at church, shake it off. Whatever it was your spouse did, you couldn't get the baklava, you can, you got your toothpaste, what? shake it off. Don't go through life holding on to things that, and I want to say you should pray about it. Honestly, you shouldn't even pray about it. Some of the things you should just shut up, shut your mind, and start magnifying the right things. You don't, even, you don't even need to pray about what to do if your husband leaves his socks on the floor. You don't need to pray about what you do if your wife burns you with the curling iron. You just need to shake it off. Remember the first time I told the story, she just left the curling iron on. Second time I told the story, she left it on and it burned me when I moved it. Now when I tell the story, she burned me with the curling iron. <laughs> Next sermon series, she'll try to kill me in my sleep. But anyway, and so you just got to shake it off, man. Shake it off. Something that's helped me in life is uh, uh, mentally, I always tell myself there's three different categories of problems that I face. There's five-minute problems, there's five-hour problems, and there's five-month problems, okay? A five-minute problem is um, someone used your car, a family member, and now you're, you're late for work and you got to stop and get gas or something like that, okay? That's a five, you're going to be five minutes late. Don't let those five minutes late ruin the rest of your day at work five minute problem five minute problem is you're at home and you're in the bathroom and there's no toilet paper and you can hear your kids on the other side of the wall laughing and playing and playing games you can hear your wife cooking and instead of just yelling you know one time nice for somebody to bring you toilet paper you're screaming and beating on the wall somebody i can't believe y'all did this to me and th the house was filled with laughter and peace until you decided to turn that five-minute problem into something that ruined the whole atmosphere of your home. Do you know with one sentence, you can actually change the atmosphere in your entire house? You know, you should want people, we should be happy to come home. Like we should, our house should have peace. There should be so much enjoyment and laughter. We should actually feel a sense of, oh, I can't wait to get home. And if that's not the case for you, you need to make some changes today. You need to, if, 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 if part of your house is just a total wreck and always nasty and not clean, stop complaining about it. Stop feeling this anxiety when you go near that part of the house. Just clean it up and be done. Take care of what you can take care of. 
A five-hour problem is, is you break your cell phone or you, or you get a flat tire. A five-month problem, that is when the doctor tells you you have cancer. You have to have treatments. Five-month problem is you have a wayward teenager. Everything was fine, then all of a sudden now they're getting in fights, they're doing bad in school. Okay, listen real close. We turn five-minute problems into five-month problems. That's how we act. Based on our words, our emotions, the level of, 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 of volume that we have when we bring it up, we take a five-minute problem and we treat it as if it were a life-threatening five-month issue and we wonder, why is there no joy in our home? Why do my kids not have a smile on their face when they walk in the door? Why is my husband not so excited to see me? Why does my wife not want to share things with me at night? It's because we make little things big things. We cannot go through life like that and expect to have God's favor. It's just, it's just, it just won't happen. And one thing that you need to know too is this, is we can't fix people. You cannot fix people. So if there's anything that's causing you stress or strife or anxiety and it's based on somebody else, listen, let me just go ahead and tell you now before you keep trying, you can't fix anybody. You can't change people. You can't fix people. You can encourage them to come to Christ. You can encourage them to get part of short groups and, and be in church and, and be around the presence of God and get in the word of God because that's what changes. Only God can change somebody. Only God can change a heart. But if you're trying to fix somebody, you'll never be able to fix them. You might as well go ahead and throw that out the window. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. And every day that you live deceived thinking you can change people and fix people by instructing them and telling them this is, what, this is how it needs to happen, all, gonna, all you're doing is just causing more stress because they're not going to meet the expectation that you have of them and then you're going to get upset and on and on it goes. And then you said, okay, Satan, just take this time from us. This time where me and my spouse could have been watching TV and laughing and talking, just take it from us. The time where my child could have hurt us in joy in our home, just take it from us. The time... It's so sad whenever people tell me they hate their job. How awful is it to go to a place 40 hours a week and hate it? If you're that kind of person where you just think, man, I just can't stand my job, you need to start seeing your job as ministry. You need to see that God opened up the door for you to be in that place and around those people so you can show them some light, so you can show them what it means to have integrity, so you can show them what it means when they're gossiping about the boss, you're saying positive things. When they're negative, you're saying the right thing. See it as a ministry and your whole life will change. Whole life will change. We cannot fix people. And um, it's not in my notes, but I just feel like telling you that uh, you can't let the disapproval of people ruin your day. If you have people in your life that just, it's like you're, you're serving God, you're trying your best, and they still always have something negative to say to you, nothing will steal your day away from you like people like that. Nothing. And I just, this came to my mind, but uh, my grandmother, she's in heaven. She passed away last year on my dad's side. And uh, for the last few years of her life, she came to church here. And not once did she ever, ever, ever give me her approval. Not once did she ever say, that was a great sermon. Not once did she ever say, I really enjoyed the music. Not once did she ever say, I'm proud of you. In fact, not only did she not give me her approval, she gave me her disapproval. Every single Sunday without fail, she would tell me what I did wrong. You preached too long. I didn't like your clothes. You shouldn't have facial hair. I didn't like the people that were singing. The music was too loud. Every Sunday... And it got to the point where at first I was longing to hear the words, I'm proud of you. 
I was, and listen, she was a good grandma in other ways. She left us an inheritance. She, she paid for our medical bills growing up. She bought us clothes and things like that. But when it came to affirmation, zilch. I can't, I, oh, how I longed to just hear those words one time before she died. I'm proud of you. Not once. Not once. It got so bad, I had to start marginalizing her. Because what would happen was, here after church, I'd be all pumped up. I'd be so excited. We'd go to lunch, or I'd get a phone call from her, and as soon as she opened up her mouth, all my joy from that day was sucked right out. And that emotional energy that I spent craving affirmation from her or upset because I didn't get it was emotional energy that I could have spent on my children. But I didn't. I spent it on her. I wasted it on her. I wasted it on somebody who was never going to approve of me. I did not dishonor her. I was not rude or disrespectful to her. I simply did not pick up the phone. I didn't pick up the phone. If I saw her, I'd say a quick, love you, how you doing, and continue walking. You've got to learn how to marginalize the thing. It's, it's called guarding your heart against the things that can steal your joy. You need your joy. You need it. The joy of the Lord is where we get our strength from. You need to enjoy what God has given you. And some people, they mean well, and maybe they're related to you, and you feel this need that you got to appease them and please them. Not the case. If you're serving God and you're trying your best, everybody else, just wave them goodbye. Wave them at them from a distance. I can't talk right now. Got to go. I got a meeting with Jesus. Every time you call, I'm in a meeting with Jesus. 2 Samuel chapter 16, if you have your Bibles. 2 Samuel 16 is talking about David. He was walking down a street, and um, this man started to curse at him and call him names. And it says in 2 Samuel 16, we're going to look at verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. In verse 6, it says that, um, Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop. And shimmy whatever his name is, he shouted insults and began throwing small stones at David. People with small stones will always steal your joy, even though he was surrounded by his bodyguards. Here's what I think is interesting about this. David was surrounded by bodyguards. Listen, the enemy can see that you're surrounded by the blood of Jesus. The enemy can see that you are surrounded by a church family that prays for you, loves you, and wants you to succeed. The enemy can see that the favor of God surrounds you like a shield, but it doesn't stop him from throwing small stones in your life on a daily basis. It's that favor from God. It's that church family. It's that faith. It's that blood of Jesus that we're supposed to use to not let the small stones bother us. And in verse 9, one of David's bodyguards said, Hey, your majesty, let me go cut off his head. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I wish I had friends like this. These are the kind of friends I want. I want my friends to say, oh, John Paul, that guy offended you. Let me go decapitate him. At least let me cut off his pinky. At least. But no, God doesn't give me friends like that. I got friends like Dan that tell me to forgive and let it go. <laughs> or Jason that says, do the right thing. People are watching you. Or Mark. Well, anyway. And so it says... <laughs> so in verse 12, here's what David said. Let him curse me all he wants. 
I'm going to shake it off and believe that God's going to give me blessings in exchange for shaking off the small stones. He didn't say, let me talk about it for a few minutes. Let me dwell on it. Let me bring it up. Let me magnify it. He said, I'm going to let that stuff go. And that's when I get an exchange from God. The exchange does not occur if you're holding on to the small stones. You got to shake them off, let them go, and God will bless you. I heard somebody say that it's not that life is too short. It's that we wait too long until we begin to enjoy it. Don't let people ruin your day. It's not worth the day. Uh, real quick, I'll close, but I wanted, to, I wanted to show you this. This is a picture of my grandchild, Leo. And um, Leo's dad, my firstborn son, Logan. This is a picture of Logan and his wife, Madison. Um, he's a handsome fella, isn't he? Who does he look like? <laughs> it's my money shot, my money shot. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so Logan and his wife, they had Leo a few months ago. And the other day, me and Eli, my middle son, we were looking through. He needed some photographs of when he was a baby for this um, thing he's doing at school, some kind of photograph thing or whatever. So I started to look at the old photographs, and I saw pictures of me and Logan when Logan was a baby. Um, I had Logan when I was in 11th grade. My first, my first, my second month of junior high school, Logan was born. And no one teaches you how to be a parent when you're in high school. And there wasn't internet back then, for those of y'all that, you know, I'm telling you, it was hard with no internet. I don't see how we got by. But, um, so there wasn't ways to look up how to take care of a baby. I didn't know. No one told me a baby needs a crib, so I made a big old pillow bed on the floor, and me and Logan would just sleep on the floor. And when it came time to feed him, I knew he needed milk, but I didn't know there was such thing as formula. Like, no one teaches that stuff in 11th grade. So I would go get milk out of the refrigerator, pour it in a bottle, and I thought, you know what? I like chocolate milk. Who doesn't like chocolate milk? I'm in 11th grade. I didn't know any better. So I'd squirt some Nestle's Quick in his bottle and shake that stuff up. Man, he loved being with his dad. That was just the best time ever. Can you believe I gave my firstborn child chocolate milk as a baby? Anyway, I was thinking about it. Y'all are like, yeah, we can believe it, John Paul. We can totally believe it. Here's the point. I'll never get that day back again. I'll never hold him in my arms ever again like that. I'll never feed my baby a bottle. That day's gone. It's over. And sometimes we have these superficial thoughts that, listen, I'll work 14 hours today and tomorrow I'll hang out with my family. Let me deal with all these problems now so I can relax next week. Let me make sure I have enough money saved up so that when I retire, then I can focus on my marriage. Let me wait till I get rid of these addictions in my life and then I'll join the church and start serving God. And we don't even know if tomorrow is going to be here. You know, we are living in the good old days right now. 